Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We're kicking off our Christmas series this week, and I want to start with a question. What do you see when you see Christmas? Like what comes into your mind? What are the things that kind of flood your mind, your thoughts, when you think about Christmas? What do you see? Some of you, you you might see all the festive decorations. Like that's the first thing that comes in your mind. It's like lights and trees and decor and the streets being decorated or maybe your home. Maybe that's the first thing you think of. Maybe for some of you in the room, some of you younger ones, the first thing you think of is Santa Claus, right? The jolly man with the red suit and the white beard and the sleigh and the reindeer and the bag of loot on the back of the sleigh that's hopefully coming to your house. That's what you're hoping for, right? Some of you, uh, you might think of sales, Black Friday, how many of you shopped online over the, this last week, Thanksgiving, anybody, a few of you? Yes, yes, I know many in my family were like this, you know, great deals, great deals, we're finding great deals because Christmas is a time where we find great sales. Maybe you think of family, right, family gatherings. Maybe you think of the weird uncle you have to see every year. Maybe you're the weird uncle that everyone has to see. Maybe I'm the weird uncle, right, that everybody has to see. Gatherings are different this year. I know uh, as we just had Thanksgiving, many of you probably just had some, some different dynamics. Maybe you didn't see family. Maybe you did, but it was the whole, like, mask, no mask. Do we wear them all the time? Do we eat inside or outside, right? Maybe you think of family. Maybe some of you lost a loved one this year. And so when you see Christmas, you see sadness, right? And our hearts go out to you. What do you see when you see Christmas? This year, I want to invite you to take a journey with me as we're going to look at the sights of the real Christmas story. And I'm asking the Lord that he would give us fresh eyes as we look at the the sights that you've probably seen, the stories you've probably already heard about the birth of Jesus. And as the, uh, as the 1962 Christmas carol that we just sang said, said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? And as we look at every sight along the way over this journey, we're just gonna look, and I just wanna, I wanna ask, do you see what I see in the story. And I'm asking the Lord to really help us to see them because you know how it goes. We have traditions, we have things that we do every year, we have the story that we've heard over and over again, and so we kind of go into autopilot. We begin to tune out, and we don't really see it. We gloss over. 
And so I'm asking, Lord, give us eyes, give us ears, give, give us hearts to perceive the significance of this story that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks together. Today, our sermon is called Carrying Christ. Carrying Christ in the first sight is in Luke chapter 1. If you want to turn to some uh, scriptures, if you have a Bible with you, you have an app that you read the Bible on, you can turn there with me. It's in Luke chapter 1, and it's going to be in verses 26 through 38. And I will be reading this here from the Christian Standard Bible, but if you have a different translation, don't worry about it. Just read along with me. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and they shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this kind of beginning of the story. Elizabeth, her cousin, is now pregnant with John the Baptist, who will be the, the forerunner to Jesus. He will, he will prepare the people. And Mary gets this news from an angel. And what I want us to do is just to look again at what happens in the story. But before we do, I just want us to first acknowledge do you see the gift of having something to see? I've been having conversations with a friend of mine. He's from India. I met him at the soccer fields where our, our children play. And uh, I believe that God has called us as his followers to tell people about him. And so over the years with my friend who is from India, who professes a Hindu faith, that's what he was raised in, that's what he knows, I've been sharing with him the gospel, telling him about Jesus, telling him about the story of Jesus, what he did, how he died, how he rose again. I mean, we've gone to, from creation to revelation together, and then he'll share with me his thoughts and what Hinduism believes in all this that's been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks months and months over the course of years. And 
I'm so grateful in the midst of those conversations that we have an actual event in history that we can look at. Because in the marketplace of ideas that we live in, in this day and age, it's important for us that our faith isn't just a blind faith, it's not an unthinking faith, it's not an unintelligent faith, it's a faith that's based on things that have happened. If you read the first sentence, it says, in the sixth month, a time, specific time, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, a specific place, a real place, historically verifiable place to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. It gives us real characters, real people. And as I talk with my friend who believes in something very different than we believe in and I hear him share about philosophical ideas, theological concepts and yet there's no event in history for him to rest his faith on. I'm grateful that as believers in Christ, we have a real savior that came into a real point in time, who, who came through a real woman in a real city. God stepped into human history. I just want us to acknowledge the gift of having something to see. It's a beautiful gift. So, do you see the significance of the virgin birth? Do you see the significance of that? I mean, that's a key detail in the story, and it's like Luke is hammering this into the story. Verse 27, the angel comes to a virgin, right? The virgin's name was Mary, and then the Angel tells her what's going to happen. She's like, how could this be? Because I'm still a virgin. Now, on planet Earth right now, there are 7.8 billion people. That's a lot of people on the planet. And 140 people are added about every single minute on planet Earth, which means by the end of this sermon, there will be over 3,000 more people on the planet than when it started. I mean, that's, that's astounding to me. And every single one of them has a human mother and a human father. Any of you born without a human father? Anyone? No? <laughs> I didn't think so. Can you imagine that conversation? Mary talking to Joseph. Hey, honey, I'm so excited about our wedding. By the way, your cousin said she's going to take care of the flowers. Oh, and by the way, I'm pregnant, but don't worry. I haven't been with anyone. This one's from the Holy Spirit. I mean, Joseph is thinking like, what? I wasn't born yesterday. Like, I know how this works, Mary, <laughs> right? And yet, here we have a child born of a virgin. Have you thought about the significance of that Jesus being born without a human father. And so what's the big deal with that? Well, you need to understand this if you're going to understand the person of Jesus. Number one, it's miraculous. Only God could do that. 
of all the billions of people that live now and the billions that lived before us, every single one of them had a human mom and a human dad, but one, Jesus, born miraculously of a virgin. It's significant for us because it shows us that Jesus was fully human. That's what we saw in verse 31. It says this. It says, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, meaning you, Mary, will have a child in you, right? That's how Jesus came into the world, and he was fully human, which is significant. Because in order to be God's perfect sacrifice for humanity, he would need to be fully human, to offer himself on our behalf, to reverse Adam's curse. He would need to offer himself as a man. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 tells us that God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Jesus, fully human. It means that he's God in human flesh. He's walked in our shoes. He's been tempted just like you've been tempted. He knows what it's like to be a human. He knows what it's like to be you. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but he's one who's been tempted in every way, tested in every way, and then we, we, can, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness because he knows what it's like to be you, fully human. It's also significant that he didn't have a human father because it shows us that Jesus was fully God, like he was God in flesh. That's what Colossians 2.9 tells us, is the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. In verse 35, the angel tells Mary, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He'll be holy. He'll be the Son of God. He will be fully God. Now, why is that significant? Well, if you understand Christian doctrine, we, we believe that every person is born under sin, that you inherit this sin nature, and it started all the way back with Adam in the garden. You know the story. And that every one of us, moms, dads, when you see that perfect little newborn baby, bad news is that baby was born with a sin nature. And you're going to see as they grow, that's going to come out of them. All of us, every single one of us, we have this tendency to want to do something that's wrong, that's, that dishonors what God would have us do. It's just part of what's in us. But Jesus was different. You see, God, through the Holy Spirit, he overshadows Mary. He, he, he causes her to conceive this child and he interrupts this sin that keeps getting handed down from generation to generation. 
And now Jesus is born fully human and fully God. And to be God's saving sacrifice, he would have to be righteous. I mean, perfectly righteous. So that he could take our unrighteousness upon himself and place his righteousness on us. So that you, when you blow it, when you mess up, when you sin, and you just know, like, oh, Lord, I know, please forgive me. That in that moment, there could be an exchange that takes place where your unrighteousness gets whoosh, taken away. And God, again, he covers you with his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace. Fully man, fully God. I was thinking this week of the Toyota Prius. I don't know if you guys uh, have been listening to the news and you're hearing about uh, you know, electric cars being mandated in certain places. And I was thinking about hybrids. You know, a, a hybrid is a gasoline car. And it's an electric car. If you think about Jesus being the God man, it's like he was a extremely limited edition, fully loaded, hybrid God man, okay? He was the first Toyota Prius. No, that's probably not a good way to say it. But you get my point. You get the illustration, right? Jesus was both simultaneously. It wasn't like he was in, wait, I'm in human mode. Hang on, give me a second. God mode, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. No, it's like he was all the time simultaneously fully God and fully man. Do you see the significance of the virgin birth? And it's really genius. I mean, think about it. If God had done it any other way, we would either struggle to see Jesus as fully human or we would struggle to see him as fully God. Thirdly, and this is significant, do you see how God works? Think about the story. God chooses Mary. We don't know why. Doesn't tell us. We have some details about her life. She was a virgin and she was engaged to someone from the line of David. Those were significant to God's fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. But she may have not been the only virgin, and Joseph may have not been the only man from the line of David, but for some reason, God chooses them. Now, there are parts of the Christian world that make much of Mary, that believe that she was sinless and perfect, and that's not what the scriptures teach us. But rather, we find it in the angel's greeting to Mary in verses 28 and 29, the angel comes to her and he says, greetings, favored one or favored woman. Now, when you look at the root word of favor, guess what word you're going to find? Charis, which means grace. Greetings to you who has received grace. God chooses in his grace. Later, he tells her, right? In uh, verse 29, no, 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found 
favor with God. That word favor, guess what that word means? It means grace. God chooses in his grace. Let me tell you why that's important. Because I believe that some of you here, you know how unworthy you are. That there's an awareness in your heart of like, man, I know, like I know I'm messed up. I, I know that I don't even know how messed up I am, but I know that I'm messed up. Like I know I have issues. I know that there are things in my life that are dishonoring to the Lord, that, that are breaking relationship with him. You know your record is not perfect. And the good news is that God chooses imperfect people. It's how he works. He chooses them in grace. And that's good news. The second thing is that God communicates. He lets her in on her plan for her. He sends Gabriel. Gabriel tells her what's going to happen. And I just believe that's important for us to understand that God both chooses and he communicates to us because some of you, I believe that you desperately want to be used by God. That there's something in you, maybe it's down deep inside your heart, but you desire to be used. You want your life to count for something. You want God to use you. And you're like, God, what do I do? I have no clue. I, I'm trying to do the right things, right? I'm going to church. I'm, I'm praying. I'm reading some scripture. Like, what do I do, God? I want to be used by you. And many of you, I believe, you, you want a word, right? You want God to speak and tell you. I just want to remind you that you have a word. You have a word right here. John 6, Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's prepared beforehand. There are promises in here. 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, abstain from sexual immorality, honor God with your body. This is Christ's will for you. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, he says to pray continually, give thanks in everything. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I just want to remind you, if you're desiring to be used by God, if you want him to speak, I just want to say, he's spoken. And yes, he gives words. He gives specific things at moments that we need. He will speak to your heart. He might speak to you through a pastor or through a, a friend, or mentor, discipler. He still speaks and he's still speaking in his word. So for those of you I just want to, that, that want to be used by God, I just want you to remember that God still communicates. I keep dropping my notes. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> so he chooses, he, he communicates. And thirdly, and this is so good for us, God completes. We serve the God who completes we serve the God who gets it done. I mean, look at Mary. He tells her, here's what's going to happen. 
You're going to conceive. It's going to be mysterious. The, you know, the power of God's going to overwhelm you, and you're going to be pregnant. You're going to bear a child. You're going to name him Jesus, and it happens exactly as the angel tells her. And this is how God works in our lives. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the finisher. He's the one who gets it done. And some of you, 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 maybe you have a sense of what God wants you to do, but you're just like striving in your flesh, trying to make everything happen. I just want to remind you to fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the God who completes He's the God who gets it done. Some of you, you're in the middle somewhere. I can, I can just imagine about month six, Mary's like, I don't know, like, baby hasn't moved in a few weeks, I'm a little nervous, or maybe she's like, I just, God spoke and he sent the angel, but I just, I just haven't felt him lately. Some of you are in the middle of something, and I just want to remind you that you serve the God who gets it done. Okay? He chooses, he communicates, he completes, and here's our part. Here's where we come in. We joyfully comply. What does Mary say? Let it be done to me according to your word. That's your part. God, let it be done to me according to your word. She believes. She submits to God's work and word. Casey and I were talking this week, and I've never been pregnant, obviously. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to be talking about pregnancy and carrying Christ. And she's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you. So when you're pregnant, ladies, you can confirm this if you've had a child. When you're pregnant, it's like it's always on your mind. She's like, it's weird, but it's like whenever you sit down on the couch, you're thinking like, oh, I'm pregnant. And then when you, you know, eat dinner, you're like, I'm pregnant. And when you talk to your friend on the phone, you're like, I'm pregnant. It's like always right there on your mind, it's like, it's just there. You're just aware of what's growing in you, what you're carrying. And I just was thinking about the story. God chooses Mary. God tells her, he communicates. He completes, like he puts this child inside of her. And that child would come forth. God would get it done. And that would bless millions and millions and millions of people. Through that child, Jesus, God is still choosing, communicating, completing, and looking for people who say, let it be done to me according to to your word. And I believe that God's still placing things in his people. That each of you carries something. 
You don't carry the Christ child that's already been done for you, but now through Christ, through faith in him, you've been given the spirit of Christ that lives in you, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. You've been gifted, called, sealed, and God has something for you to do. And here's my question as we close. What are you carrying? What is God placing in you through the Savior, Jesus? What are you carrying in you? Will you be a Christ carrier? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.